Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. So I don't know who else is starting to get cabin fever. I know that sometimes I just feel like leaving and getting in the car and at least going for a drive. What I've found is being at home all the time in the same space with my beautiful family, I've become a little irritable, you know, short fused with the kids, frustrated by the sound of these two crazy young boys kind of playing with balls inside the house or building forts in the lounge and almost knocking over the TV. And uh, that irritation uh, led me to a situation uh, on the morning of my preparation for this message where I got into an argument with my wife. What I ended up doing was going and finding a chair in the front garden, sitting with a cup of coffee and trying to process my emotions. And in that moment, I remembered that very important question we spoke about in week two. And I started to ask myself, who am I becoming? God turned the focus away from my external circumstances and right back onto me. Who am I becoming? As I sat there, I felt the Holy Spirit remind me of what it means to become someone who loves like Jesus from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 8. And the word love used in this portion of scripture comes from the Greek word which indicates selfless concern for the welfare of others like Jesus' love manifest on the cross. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels... But do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, um, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. My world may look successful externally, but may be insignificant if it's not birthed out of love internally. The New International Commentary on this portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 explains when it writes, Tongues, prophecy, faith, giving. Paul selects four gifts as examples. He declares that even their most spectacular manifestations mean nothing unless motivated by love. This is the difference between being driven by the strength of self externally or being driven by a healthy soul internally. It's the difference between living from the outside in or living from the inside out. This love is then described in the following verses as being uh, patience, kindness, and the list goes on. And then in verse 8, it describes how prophecies will cease, tongues will be stilled, and knowledge will pass away because they are limited by nature. External expressions and experiences, limited, they will fade away. But verse 8 says, love never fails. The stuff from the inside. Let's remember, as explained in week one of our series, that gaining the outside world doesn't help or doesn't help you if your inside world collapses. A healthy soul 
lives in the external world out of an internal love. But that love involves not just loving others, but loving ourselves. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 39, says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, all the internal. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's the assumption that we love ourselves. Jesus is saying love others through action externally from the love you have for yourself internally. In an article written by Dr. Leon F. Seltzer for the online magazine Psychology Today, he shared information he had discovered around self-love and loving others. Two excerpts caught my attention. The first one was when he wrote these words. In the end, if your core sense of self is painfully disturbed or deficient, you won't be able to love yourself. Secondly, he wrote, if warts and all, you come to fully embrace yourself, your relationships will definitely become more intimate. In order to love others from a healthy soul, we need to love and embrace ourselves first. Author Josh McDowell said, an, in, an inadequate self-image robs us of the energy and powers of attention to relate to others because we are absorbed with our own inadequacies. John Ortberg in his book Soul Keeper, from which a lot of the series has derived its content, says you are able to live in a way that really helps and loves others when your soul feels its worth. The problem is that we don't usually like ourselves if we're honest. Never mind loving ourselves. In fact, we fear being still and doing nothing because it would mean facing up to the inner realities that distress our souls. Fear, anger, loneliness, failure, and a sense of unworthiness. Thomas Watson said, Christ went more willingly to the cross than we do to the throne of grace. That's because we feel unworthy and shameful. But if I'm going to become more like Jesus, whose love was manifest on the cross with selfless concern for the welfare of others, it's going to start by discovering my worth and loving myself beyond my fears, failures, and shame. You see, a healthy soul lives loved. An unhealthy soul lives to be loved. Living loved means I can simply be. Living to be loved means I do to be approved. And this is the way we often approach God. If I do more, then I will earn God's approval. But let me remind you about all that doing. Prophecies will cease. Tongues will be stilled and knowledge will pass away. God loves human beings, not human doings. 
Dallas Willard said, as we've mentioned so many times, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. That's what you will take to eternity. In 1 Corinthians 13 that we started with, it describes love from verse 4 and it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres and if i want to become patient kind truthful trustworthy and hopeful in love toward others externally it requires acceptance and love for myself internally but it's not just it's not easy because i don't necessarily see my worth and love myself i want to encourage you today Stop creating your worth and start discovering it. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 in the New Testament, Jesus speaks a parable describing the heart of God for the lost, speaking of a lost son. And he speaks about the son that felt entitled to his portion of inheritance before his father had died. He had an older brother, but he wanted his portion. Now, during this period in history, to ask your father for an inheritance while he was still alive was the, the equivalent of saying, you're as good as dead to me. This son felt so entitled to what he thought was his that he was willing to tell his dad, look, you're as good as dead to me. And this son then squanders his money on wild living, putting on a performance in order to be loved, as the most popular at the party, as the one with the most possessions. But in this selfish and unhealthy external pursuit for freedom, he lost all he had sought to gain in the world. And now he had to face his own unhealthy soul. The son losing all he had in seeking to gain the world, ended up working, feeding pigs in a pigsty, just trying to fill his stomach with something to eat. And in the stench and the stains of the pigsty, which represented perhaps his sin and his self-centeredness, he suddenly became aware that it would be better for him to be a slave back in his father's house than continue sitting in the pigsty, desperate to even eat the food that the pigs were eating in his hunger. And so he decided that he would leave the middle of his mess, return to his father's house, assuming the position of a slave because he was unworthy with the stench of the pigsty and the stain of its filth. We read that he begins then to make his way home, assuming the position of a slave, only to discover that his father still considered him a son. We read from verse 20, Luke chapter 15. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, 
I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Even though his father had embraced him at this moment, the son still felt that he was unworthy and he would only be worthy of being a slave because of the stench and the shame of the pigsty he had come from. The one that often distances themselves when it comes to our sin and shame isn't God. It is us because we feel unworthy. Here, the father had already embraced the son. He was already showing his favor. The son just could not accept the love from his father based on the stink and the stench of the pigsty he had come from. It goes on, but... The father, in the midst of this, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Imagine the son's experience from this point on in his relationship with his father. The house he grew up in was no longer a place and space he treated with contempt because of familiarity. It was now a place and space of privilege. He no longer felt entitled to do what he wanted to do, like he did when he had initially asked for his inheritance early. But he felt compelled to contribute as a son in a household of a good father who had saved him from working his days in a pigsty. The son would have begun to live loved instead of living for love. He would have submitted it to his father out of a deep sense of worth displayed in his father's acceptance of him as a son when he felt he wasn't worthy of more than being a slave. And it all happened when he discovered his worth in the middle of his messy mistakes and failures. We allow our messy mistakes and failures to determine our worth, when in fact our worth is not created by what we do, but discovered because of what Jesus has already done. And that means that we can live out the words in the New Testament epistle of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, that says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then, because of this, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace to receive help and mercy in our time of need. You see, we don't love ourselves because we're worthy. We love ourselves because Jesus is. In verse 15, it said, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet did not sin. Where we sinned in our weakness, Jesus remained without sin to save us. That means we are saved sinners through Christ. Here's the tension. The devil knows your name and calls you by your sin. But God knows your sin yet calls you by your name. Your worth is discovered in what Jesus was willing to do for your salvation. 
And Titus chapter 3 verse 5 to 7 says, for, says to us today, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing um, of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out uh, on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. We don't love ourselves because we're worthy. We love ourselves because Jesus is. Martin Luther said, God does not love us because we are valuable. We are valuable because God loves us. 1 John chapter 4 verse 19 in the New Testament says, We love because he first loved us. It's interesting that before Jesus himself began his public ministry, he was baptized. And when he came out of the waters, a voice from heaven spoke and said, You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. For Jesus, identity and acceptance came before achievement. He ministered out of who he was, not to make something of himself. And I want you to remember today that you are more than a self. You are a soul saved through Jesus Christ and labeled as worthy enough for his sacrifice. Without performance to prove your worth, the voice of our Father would say to you, You are my son, daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. But God, you don't know what I did. Shh, you are my son. You are my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This we can discover about our worth, even in the middle of our messy mistakes and failures. Just like the lost son. Our struggles, our sense of unworthiness through the grace of God shouldn't cause us to run from the house of our father, but to it. As we begin to discover our worth, I want to draw your attention to David, who wrote a psalm of praise in the Old Testament in Psalm 139, verse 1 to 17. And he wrote praise out of the revelation of his worth through whose he was, rather than whom he was in his own strength. And he says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. 
If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Here the psalmist is praising God for the way he thinks of us as he's created us. In the psalmist responds to who he is created by God, expressed in God's works by saying, How precious to me your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. If God's thoughts about us are described in Psalm 139 as fearfully and wonderfully made, created, formed and ordained, are those thoughts precious enough to you to discover your worth outside of yourself? That you could love yourself in order to become more like Jesus, whose love was manifest on the cross with selfless concern for the welfare of others? Am I becoming someone who lives loved? I want you to take a moment and I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you and I would begin to discover, recognize and live loved by the grace of what Christ has already done for us. Let's pray. Would you close your eyes with me where you are? Would you open your hearts? If you're willing, I would love you to just lift your hands out before God and surrender as I lead us in prayer. Father God, I come before you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that I don't have to create my worth, but I can discover it by seeing the masterpiece in the mud of my mistakes. Because Father, it's not about what I do or what I've done, but what Christ has already done for me, so that my sin will no longer lead to death, but I can experience your forgiveness and grace and know your salvation. Today I open my heart and my mind to you and ask that you would allow the words of Psalm 139 to become the re revelation in my heart, allowing me to live loved rather than living to find love. I thank you that I don't have to perform to prove my worth, but I can be in your presence, discover it through Jesus Christ what you've done for me.